Father, give the Lord praise this morning. He lives. He triumphed over the grave. He defeated darkness. He has liberated every one of us by the power that rose Christ from the dead. And that same power is here today for every one of us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we're so grateful today that you sent your son, a perfect lamb. Jesus didn't just come as a good teacher or a good example. He came as a sacrificial lamb. And he shed his blood on the cross and he paid for our blood. Good King James word, the propitiation for my sins. And Father, as the price was paid for my sins and his blood applied to my life, I was cleansed and I was made clean. And I'm able to stand before you, but I still needed something. I needed something that would translate me from this life to the next. And that is resurrection power. And on the third day, you rose from the dead in resurrection glory. And you are the firstborn of all creation. You are the one who's paved the way for all of us who will follow after you in Jesus' name. <laughs> and I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that is a story for every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm -mm. Turn to the person beside you and say, man, oh man, am I excited this morning. You can be seated this morning. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord. <clears throat> well, you know, they talk about the stresses that pastors experience, and counseling and all this kind of stuff. I can tell you for sure right now the greatest stress is tech problems. When things don't work as they ought. And, uh, but I'm so grateful for the team I have diligently working to fix problems. And we, uh, we were joking because this week we called up the company that we do all the broadcasting through their software. And we set all the cameras up in here. And some of you might have got an alert that Desert Stream was live in the middle of a day on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, we broadcast for half an hour on Tuesday. Did it again on Thursday. We, uh, we played that thing for hours. I unplugged cables and plugged them back in. And we could not make that thing drop like it did this morning. And it did it three minutes into the service just like that. And I, I told the guy, and he said, I don't know why it's doing that. Said, well, you're the ones that are supposed to know, because I sure don't know. So uh, we're just going to have to pray for, I don't know, some kind of deliverance over that. That might be what is required. <laughs> we're so glad that you're with us here today. And it is so good to see a full house. You know, for two years, for two years, we... Uh, we looked out at, at crowds that were, you know, sometimes a few people here, sometimes completely empty, uh, you know, and celebrating and worshiping the Lord to, to uh, you know, uh, just a partial crowd, knowing that there's so many people that would like to be here that either couldn't be here or that it wasn't maybe appropriate or safe for them to be here. But we're just so grateful today that you are here in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. And we just continue to pray for this uh, thing that we're going through this pandemic to be brought to a, a, a complete end and for this virus to be eradicated, amen, wiped out and for people to be able to get back, especially the children to be able to get back and to enjoy their childhood the way God intended them to live it. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. So enough about that today. Let's focus on the resurrection. Hallelujah. <laughs> We've been talking about the Lord's Prayer, and today's the last of the Lord's Prayer. And interestingly enough, that last phrase of the Lord's Prayer 
that we have in uh, Matthew's gospel for the thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Today, Easter Sunday, we're going to celebrate this centerpiece of the faith and the fact that his is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And what does that mean for you and I sitting here this morning? Father, we just thank you today for the opportunity to look at your scripture. Father, we know that your word is full. Your word is life. Your word is power. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And today we take a hold of your word and we read and we study what you had to say about resurrection power. And Father, about the the prayer that our Lord and Savior even gave for us as an example of entering your presence. And Father, we celebrate that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Why is Easter so important? I mean, everybody loves Christmas, right? I mean, who doesn't love Christmas? You know, uh, the, the, it's the season of joy, of celebration, of goodwill to all men, of generosity, of people actually being nice, maybe some people being grumpy because they're out shopping and all that kind of stuff. Some say Christmas is for children, but I think there's a little bit of children in every one of us. Uh, you know, I must confess, especially now that I have grandkids, I enjoy Christmas, I think, more now than ever when I've got so many young lives to watch just having so much fun. But, you know, Easter is also a celebration of joy. Easter is also a celebration uh, that where we can step aside from all of the negativity and everything that's going on in the world and we can focus on the victory and the overcoming power we have through the resurrection of our Lord. We can literally put that scripture to place in our life, celebrating the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen? And Easter Sunday is, it's overshadowed in our culture because of all the trappings there are around Christmas that aren't necessarily attached to Easter. But I think, I think that's a good thing. I think uh, Easter, you know, there, there's a lot more of, of an awareness that Easter is a, a religious celebration than there is Christmas. I think more people understand that this is about Christianity. They may, you know, they may uh, have their, their Easter bunnies and all that kind of stuff at home, but they know this is a celebration of faith, that this is, this is the time when the faithful rejoice because of something in their, their faith. Well, I want to tell you what we have to rejoice in today as we look at the scriptures. Hallelujah. Easter remains a centerpiece of our faith. And without it, our faith is anemic. It's even meaningless if you think about it. This is how Paul succinctly put it in the scripture. He said this, For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Now that is strong language. People say, why do we believe in the resurrection? We even have theologians out there trying to, you know, disassemble the scripture. And, and one of the things they go after is the resurrection. And Paul says, without any resurrection, you know, our, our faith is, is, is futile. In fact, we're to be pitied above all men. Now, Paul goes on to say, but Christ did rise. And the resurrection is a fact. And it is the centerpiece of our faith. And as a result, we have every reason to rejoice. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Christmas may be the promise, but Easter is the proof. Amen? Come on now. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Easter is the declaration of victory. Easter is the statement of triumph. 
And as we unpack what happened on Easter Sunday here this morning, I pray that you understand what is available to you because we serve a resurrected God today. Amen. So let's look at this prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, the Lord's Prayer, in that last statement, Matthew 6 and verse 13, where he said, For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to break that just down into three simple truths. The kingdom, the power, and the glory. And I want to share with you this morning how incredibly uh, tightly that is woven into Resurrection Sunday for us here this morning. When Jesus taught the disciples the Lord's Prayer, he was walking in the earth or on the earth in the flesh. Jesus was incarnate is the word that we use. And as I mentioned on Friday, it comes from the Greek word uh, karnos, which is flesh. So Jesus was in the flesh. He was incarnate. And he was walking the earth in the flesh. And as a man walking the world in flesh, he experienced what uh, theologians call the kenosis. Everybody say that. Kenosis. It's a cool Greek word, kenosis. And what that word literally means is to be emptied of. So Jesus walked the earth emptied of his divine attributes of omnipresence. Couldn't be everywhere at the same time. He was one place, one time walking with the disciples. He was emptied of his omnipotence. Jesus was not walking the earth all powerful. Did he have power? Yes, but he didn't have all power. He could tap into the power from the father. He could make the storms cease. He could raise people from the dead, but he didn't do it of his own accord. He says, I do it because my father tells me to do it. And I do whatever the father says. And God exercises power through Jesus Christ. So he was not omnipotent while he walked in the flesh. He was also not omniscient while he walked in the flesh. In other words, Jesus didn't know everything while he was in the flesh. In fact, Jesus said of his own return, right? He said, I know not the day nor the hour, only my father in heaven knows. So that while he was walking the earth, there were things that he did not know. He knew before he came to earth and he knew the day that he was resurrected back into the Lord's presence, but he didn't know them while he walked the earth. He faced the journey to the cross as a man, as the God man, the fusion of God, of sinless perfection woven into flesh, but there were limitations to his nature, his divinity, while he walked in the flesh. Obviously, when Jesus is teaching the Lord's Prayer, he is praying to the Father himself. And he identifies these things, the kingdom, the power, and the glory, as belonging to the Father. But does that mean that the kingdom is not for Jesus as well. Does that mean the power is not Jesus as well? Does that mean that the glory is not Jesus as well? Well, that's what we're going to look at here this morning. And what did Jesus uh, mean when he was giving that prayer? I think the obvious answer is, if we understand the Trinity, that when Jesus said to the Father, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, he was also making, it was also applicable to him, right? Because we know that from the day of his resurrection, once again, God was the Trinity was co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent. So anything that he is attributed to the Father is attributed to Jesus. Amen? But we, uh, if you didn't believe that, if you didn't think the kingdom was also the Lord's, then you just got to look to the scripture and to see even Jesus' understanding of this as he walked the earth. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom, Jesus said, will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then 
the end will come. Jesus knew that after the resurrection, he would inherit the kingdom. But Mark chapter 14, 25, surely says, I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So Jesus knew that there was a kingdom there and that he was going to be going to that kingdom. Then Luke chapter 23, verse 42, then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you enter your kingdom. So even, even the thief on the cross is able to look at Jesus and say, remember when you enter your kingdom, he recognized whose kingdom it was. Luke 1 and thir- verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom, there will be no end. Whose kingdom? Jesus' kingdom, right? Jesus' kingdom. But here's the exciting part. Through the resurrection, through the resurrection, everybody say, through the resurrection. <laughs> through the resurrection, his kingdom is my kingdom. His kingdom is my kingdom. Luke 12, verse 32, do not fear little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's pretty straightforward, wouldn't you say? Luke 22, verse 29. And, I have, and Jesus speaking, he says, And I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my father bestowed one upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Oh my goodness, are you hearing what he's saying? His kingdom is your kingdom. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Through the resurrection, Jesus has restored the kingdom. And he's secured a place for you and I to rule and reign with him in his kingdom. Colossians 1, 13. There's a lot of scripture here this morning, but I want you to know I ain't making this stuff up. All right? This is the word of the Lord. Colossians 1, 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Matthew 16, 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Wow. Who's he going to give it to? Woo. You and I. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Why? Because you have the keys of the kingdom. That's why. Praise the Lord. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Why do we serve? Because we already have a kingdom. We don't serve to obtain a kingdom. The kingdom was purchased by Jesus. The kingdom is ours because of the completed work of Jesus. But his completed work has opened up to us the kingdom. The kingdom. Hallelujah. So when we pray, we say, God, for thine is the kingdom. I believe what God wants us to realize is that his kingdom is your kingdom. And when you ask God, you know, your kingdom come, when you say, Lord, bring your kingdom, when you say, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, it's your kingdom as well. And it is your privilege to walk as citizens of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Well, he says to God, when Jesus prayed, he said, for thine is the kingdom. And then he said, and the power, the power. So what does that tell us? Well, it tells us this kingdom is a kingdom of power. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of power. 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. In power. There is power that is supposed to accompany the kingdom of God. Through the resurrection, we have inherited the kingdom, but it's not an anemic kingdom. It's not a weak kingdom. It is a kingdom of power that we have inherited. Christianity is a faith built on power. And that power has enabled us to transform 
the world. Literally, literally transform the world. And the influence of Christianity, even in some of the broadest measures, is felt everywhere. Even the date you're living right now is thanks to Christianity. This is the year 2022 AD, Anno Domine, in the year of our Lord. That's what it means. That's why those who, who are atheists like to say not BC uh, and AD, but they say BCE and CE, before Common Era and Common Era. But the reality is, you can call it whatever you want, but you and I both know that the year 2022 is still celebrating the fact that Jesus was born 2,022 years ago, and this is still the year of our Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. You can take away the acronyms if you want, but it still is still is still 2022 years since Jesus came and entered this world. <laughs> oh my goodness, the foolishness that we play. Amen. But you know, the influence of Christianity isn't just in your calendar. The influence of Christianity is seen everywhere. It's seen in, in the way our, our Western legal systems have been drafted up of presumed innocence. It is seen in the way that we have built social systems and, and networks to help people who are, are, are suffering or in need. Uh, it's seen in our healthcare system where virtually every hospital that's older than 50 years in this country was, was built by Christians who had a hunger to help people who are sick. I mean, it goes on and on and on to where this day around the world, those that are helping the poor, the infirmed, the afflicted are Christians. How many have ever heard of Robert Morris? He's a pastor of Gateway Church in uh, Texas and the church that he started in 2020, I believe, or 2019, or not, sorry, 1999 or 2000. Sorry, I've got to go back a little ways. Uh, that he started this church and um, he felt God calling him to start a church in Dallas. And now that church has multiple campuses all over uh, Dallas and also in uh, one in Colorado, another one in, I think, Oklahoma, different places. And on any given Sunday, they have 100,000 people that are worshiping together. That's pretty, pretty amazing, isn't it? But here's what caught my eye this week, made the news this week, is that their church has taken in over 250 refugees from the Ukraine and is leading in Texas the effort to help uh, bring in people and refugees and assimilate them into the, to the culture and to love them and to bless them, to find them a home, find them work, everything else. It's being led by a church. Once again, are you hearing me this morning? That's the kingdom of God at work. Hallelujah. Because the kingdom is a kingdom of power. Acts 4.33. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And grace fell upon them all. With great power, they gave witness to the resurrection. With great power, they demonstrated that Christ is risen from the dead. With great power, they preached. With great power, they prayed. With great power, they ministered to the people that came to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was accompanied with power. Unfortunately, so many times today, the church is like apologizing for the fact that the scripture references power. It's like we're, we're apologizing for it as if we want to lower people's expectations. Well, you know, when the Bible said power, it didn't really mean power. 
didn't really mean greater miracles. The greater miracle is salvation. I think salvation is a great miracle. But I don't think that's what Jesus meant when he said greater things will you do. I think he meant greater things will you do. It's amazing how we want to, you know, find ways to explain away our not living up to the scripture. Isn't it? Isn't it amazing how people want to do that? We just want, we want to take it. We want to, we want to water the word down because our experience isn't matching the word. Well, when your experience isn't matching the word, don't change the word, change your experience. Amen. That's for free, by the way, right there this morning. Hallelujah. (laughs) Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, listen to this. He said, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Christianity has always been a faith of power. Power to transform entire communities. Power to transform lives. Power to transform our world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Jesus said, when you pray, recognize for thine is the kingdom. His kingdom is the kingdom of power. And then he says, and for thine is the glory. The glory. 1 Thessalonians 2, 10 to 12. You are witnesses. And God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. This is Paul giving a testimony of how he served amongst them. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. For yours is the kingdom of power and the glory. God's kingdom is glorious. It's a glorious kingdom. First Peter 1.21 who uh, through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. When God raised Christ from the dead, he gave him glory. He exalted him, the Bible says, and set him above every name uh, that is given under heaven and earth and put everything under his feet. He sits in majestic glory today and he lives in your heart. Now, do you think when he comes to abide in you, he's going to leave the glory behind? How would you make any sense of that? So he's glorious, but he, in you, he's going to be weak and penniless and anemic. No. When he comes in and lives in us and abides in us, he cleanses us from all unrighteousness and he gloriously resides and works through us. So that our life can bring glory to him. So that our life magnifies the glory of God. That is the gospel that we preach. Hallelujah. His resurrection was glorious. And ours will be too. 1 Corinthians 15, 42 says, So also in the resurrection of the dead, the body is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. The Christian faith says that the glorious Lord Jesus Christ has come to dwell within us and that through us, he declares glory. He exudes glory every single day. And that's why I love to challenge Christians to to stop living like you're beat up every day. Like I realize we all go through tough times. I'm not asking you to be in denial. 
When you're through, going through a rough time, you know, your leg's broken, don't sit there and go, my leg's not broken. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I am talking about, when you're going through everyday life, you get to choose each day what kind of attitude you're going to have for that day. Nobody else is making that choice for you. You can choose to let the glory and the power of Christ resound through your life, or you can sit and be miserable. Choice is yours. But can I tell you that when you choose to sit and be miserable, you're a horrible witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because his is a kingdom of power and glory. Not of depression and misery and, you know, oh, always me. You know? And so much of what we get stressed over and we let dictate to our life is just first world problems. It's amazing to me. <laughs> Joking around, but Ryan Christie's daughter, Rory, she was out in the foyer this morning and her, her, her friend was not online so she couldn't text this morning. She was so sad. Couldn't text with her friend. I jokingly looked at her and said, first world problems. She goes, I know. <laughs> you know? terrible first world problem. My friend's not online too. We can't text. Oh my goodness. She obviously wasn't really sad. She was just, but you know what I'm saying? But so many of the things that we struggle with in life, so many of the things that we allow to dictate to our life are just first world problems. Some of you are going, what's a first world problem? I don't know what a first world problem is. It's a problem that is literally invented because of our first world circumstances. A real problem is something that a person in the second or third world also experiences. So when you don't have cell phone coverage, that's not really a problem. There's ways around that. You know what I'm saying? Your Wi-Fi is down. It's not the end of the world. Right? Oh, my goodness. Your Oreo cookies were not on sale this week. <gasps> Perish the thought which is tough on the Dowling family because we have a rule. If you walk past the Oreos, you have to buy them. That's, that's, a, that's a rule. As so Derek told me one day. You know, if you walk past them in the aisle, you got to buy them, Dad. Okay, so I make sure I avoid the cookie aisle so I don't have to buy the Oreos. But, you know, many of the things that we complain about, many of the things that we allow to distract us from the kingdom are first world problems that God has said are not real problems at all. And we need to focus on him. We need to radiate his glory. We need to radiate who he is because he has conquered death. He is a glorious, victorious, powerful king of an incredible kingdom of which we are joint heirs as well. Amen? Stories told of an African Muslim who became a Christian. And his friends asked him, why have you become a Christian? And he answered, well, it's like this. Suppose you were going down the road and suddenly the road forked in two directions. And you didn't know which way to go. There at the fork were two men, one dead and one alive. Which would you ask for the way to go? I think it's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? You see, Jesus has conquered death. Muhammad died, so did Jesus. But Jesus rose from the dead. Amen? Amen? And so I'm going to ask the one that's alive. And did you know that all over the world today, there are millions of Muslims coming to faith and literally God is appearing to them in their dreams because of the prayers of the saints. And they're coming to Christ, even in countries where the gospel's prohibited, they're coming to Christ because Christ is calling out to them and they're seeing him and they're realizing he is alive. Yeah, 
that the God that the Christians have talked about is alive and they're going after that God and that King. Amen. Praise the Lord. The resurrection is the foundation of the kingdom. The resurrection is the ultimate demonstration of his power. The resurrection is the definitive display of his glory. And so when we accept Christ, when we accept the resurrected Christ as our Savior, as our Lord, and as our King, we become heirs of the same kingdom. Scripture says that you are joint heirs with Christ Jesus to the kingdom of God. And not only just to the kingdom, but to all that the kingdom has. And that's why when we pray, we can pray boldly, we can pray in faith, because there's two things you have to understand about the kingdom. We're going to talk more about that months to come, but the kingdom is both not yet and already. If you read through the scriptures, there's many verses about the kingdom that are talking about things that are not yet. But there's also many things in the scripture that talks about the kingdom that are already. Jesus said the kingdom is coming, but Jesus said the kingdom has come many times as well because when he came, the kingdom was here. And so we need to understand that Jesus in us, there are many aspects of kingdom that we've already inherited as saints of God and other things we will inherit when we die and we translate from this life to the next, but we are still in the kingdom. Amen. Praise the Lord. When we accept Christ and the resurrection, he provided for us, not just the kingdom, but also power. You and I have power. And so it's ironic when we pray at the end of that prayer, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. We're saying, God, yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, but it's also my kingdom. And it's also my power. It's also my power. I have the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have the power. And many times I, I, I need to trust in that power rather than my own strength. I need to learn to trust in that power and not just in my own strength. In 1799, the armies of Napoleon appeared on the heights above the town of Feldrich, Austria. I don't know if you pronounce the CHs or H, but I'll just say it, Feldrich. Uh, it was Easter Sunday, and the rays of the rising sun glittered on the weapons of the French as they appeared and uh, drawn up on the hills to the west of the town. The town council was hastily called together to consult what was to be done. After much discussion, the dean of the church, he rose and he said, My brothers, it's Easter. We've been reckoning on our own strength, and that fails. Let us turn to God. Ring the bells and have the service as usual and leave the matter into the hands of God. So they agreed to do as he said. Then from the church towers in uh, Feldkrich, there rang out joyous peals of, in the honor of the resurrection, and the streets were filled with worshipers hastening to church. The French they heard the sudden ringing of the joys, joy of the bells and the surprise, with surprise and with alarm. And they concluded the Austrian army had showed up and they were ringing the bells to celebrate the army had showed up. And so the French turned around and hightailed it out of there. You see, many of the things that we're facing in life, if we would tap in to his kingdom and to his power, and we would rely on him to see us through, the enemy would hear our celebration. He would hear our joy. He would hear our victory cry and he would hightail it and get out of here. Are you hearing me this morning? Hallelujah. And finally, when we pray and say, for thine is the kingdom, for thine is the power, thine is the glory, 
His kingdom is our kingdom. His power is our power. His glory is our glory. We are carriers of the glory of God. I've told you this as a congregation before, but, but you know, have you ever noticed when you go to a place like, you know, a restaurant and you've got a bunch of Christians sitting there and you begin to start talking about the things of God, you can feel the atmosphere in the place shift. I've had servers and people coming over and after they just want to talk to us about, you know, how come you people are in such a good mood? What is it? What are you on? I even had somebody ask me that once. What are you on? I'm on nothing but the Lord Jesus Christ. We have, we have a glory that is in us, that is in us because we are carriers of the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. As Barry likes to quote the scripture, his presence is our vital need. We need his presence in our life. We need his glory to radiate through us to the world around us. And guess what? The world needs you to walk in his glory as well. If we will recognize that ours is also the kingdom, the power, and the glory. That what Father has walked in, he has bestowed upon us through Jesus Christ. Then we will be an attractional people and we will lead people into victory. We will lead people into life. We will lead people into hope. It's been a tough couple years. There's a lot of people who've run out of hope. Their hope bank is low. And now as we're coming to the end of the pandemic, war is taking place in Europe. And every day you can turn on the news, uh, although here I am telling you to leave it off. Uh, But uh, if you do turn on the news every night, you're going to hear, you know, threats that, you know, maybe the Russians will use tactical nuclear weapons. Maybe they'll use biological chemical weapons of all. You hear news of all the atrocities that are going on, all of the different things that are happening, refugees by the tens of thousands. Uh, This is the beginning of World War Three, et cetera, et cetera. It's easy as a Christian to get distracted by all of those headlines and to forget and to forget that we serve a God. We're part of his kingdom. We walk in his power. We radiate his glory. I don't know what's going to happen in Europe. And it doesn't mean I'm not concerned. It doesn't mean that I don't want to help. It doesn't mean that I don't want to do what I can to alleviate suffering, to minister to those who are hurting. But at the end of the day, regardless of what happens there, I'm part of his kingdom. I walk in his power. I have his glory in through my life. Amen. And the news does not dictate to my joy. I do not walk according to what my headlines say. I walk according to what the Lord Jesus Christ has said. Amen? And if you're here this morning and you're saying, wow, that sounds good, but I don't know how to get there. I don't know. I've never, I've never really walked in that kind of faith. You know, I've went to church. I've, you know, I've, I've read the Bible a few times, but I, I've, never, I've never actually realized I could have a relationship with God. That, that I'm part of his kingdom. 
that I have power and authority over the enemy, that, that his glory is to radiate through me. I've never heard that before. If, you've, if you're here today and you've never walked in that kind of faith, it's, it's not complicated. It's simple, but it is profound. It's a shift. It's a continental shift in your life. As you invite Christ into your life to be your savior, you end up becoming a joint heir with him of his kingdom, a sharer in his power and in his glory. And he begins to work through you to literally change the world. Amen? If that sounds good to you this morning, and you've never, ever had the opportunity to tap into that before, you've never submitted your life to Christ, surrendered yourself to him, you might say, but he, he wouldn't want me. He wouldn't want me. As we shared with everybody on Friday, on Good Friday, that Jesus, Jesus is the one who says, I don't, I'm not looking for, for, for this. And I'm not looking for that. I'm not looking for your talents or your giftings or, or even your money. I'm looking for your sins. Bring your sins to me. Give them to me. And I will give you life. It's the great exchange. We take our brokenness and we give it to him. And he gives us health. He gives us wholeness. He gives us life. He gives us liberty. That's what Jesus has for you today. I'm going to invite you to stand with me today. We have people here that would love to pray with you. If you're standing here today and you're, you're, you just have not had that experience that I'm talking about, you may, have, you may have made a confession years ago, but you're saying, I'm living below it, then today's a day to bring your experience to God and let him raise it up. But you may be here today and say, I've never, I've never walked with Christ before. I've never really known him as my savior. Certainly not the way you talked about it today, pastor. We want to pray with you. We want to lead you into that relationship with Christ. And so we want to invite you to respond to that today. I want everyone just to bow your heads today and close your eyes with me this morning. If the Holy Spirit's speaking to you today, and right from the beginning of the service until now, he's been talking to you and he's been pulling, and you can sense that on your heart, that something is supernatural in the air today. And you're saying, Lord, I need what he's talking about in my life. I want you to just lift your hand and say, would you, would you pray for me today? I need that in my life. I need that in my life. Yes, anyone else? Yes. Just hold your hand up. Just hold your hand up and say, just pray for me. Pray for me today. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, you saw those hands raised to you today. They're raised because they're saying, God, I have a need in my life. I realize this morning you are the only one that can do it. And I'm inviting you, Jesus, to meet that need today. If you raise your hand, even if you, you didn't, but you're saying, I still, would, I still need that prayer. We're going to open these altars this morning. What better way to leave the house of the Lord on Easter Sunday than to have done business with God and walk out victorious. Walk out victorious. So as the band plays, we're going to invite you to come. We'd like to pray with you this morning. We'd like to agree with you this morning. We would love to see the manifestation of God's glory 
his power and his kingdom in your life. Father, we thank you today in Jesus' name. We give you praise, God, because we realize that, Lord, even as Jesus taught us to pray, he was speaking of his own kingdom, his own power, his own glory. And he was speaking of that which he said he gives to us. And Father, as we today contemplate all that Jesus accomplished for us on this weekend through his death and his resurrection, we rejoice that we are saved, delivered, made whole by the power of Christ. That we are now joint heirs of his kingdom, carriers of his glory, demonstrators of his power. And Father, we thank you today. We give you praise in Jesus.